0: I spent a bit of time with both of these lovely women last week um, just hearing part of what God um, has done in their life over a, a protected period of time. And I think I was really struck just in, as I reflected again on my conversations with them, of just how their stories demonstrate what it looks like to build a history with God over a period of time. And uh, I did say this to you in my email, but I was then listening to a, podcast yesterday by bill johnson and he was just saying that whilst he loves corporate gatherings and thinks that they're very important and that there's much that god can impart to us through gathering together as community he says there are just certain things that you cannot get without developing your own history with god and he was talking about how he'd often have people come up and ask them to him to lay hands on them to impart what's in his life onto them and he says well he he doesn't mind doing that that's a privilege but he can't impart his history with God onto somebody else you know you have to build that for yourself and um I was just really struck by that um as I shared with Val and Carolyn part of their story and I was um I sent Val a couple of um thoughts today and she she responded and she said you've made my Christian walk seem so ordered and um and, and I mean, it does when you're telling a story in retrospect, it often makes it seem like it's quite a linear process. But I was driving out here this evening and I just felt the Lord say, our God's stories is nothing linear about them. They're much more like a dance, really, than they are anything linear. So I want you to remember that as they share some of their story tonight, and it will have that sense of some order to it just so that you can follow the story, obviously, but God very rarely works in a linear fashion in our life it's much more like an invitation to a dance Um, so so without further ado I'm going to invite Val up to come and sit with me on these comfy seats would you make her welcome it is a fairly courageous thing to come and share with people even a friendly bunch like you I want you there and I'm going to just put this on Liz, if the um, level isn't quite right, are you able? I mean, it might be fine, but there we are. Do you want to just speak I into feel that? Just
1: very say, red.
0: You feel very red. Oh. Actually, how are people going with temperature? Because I did have the heater oh. on. Are we warm enough now? Can, shall I turn? No, don't, not because of me. I'm no, no. There's red. lots of nodding coming on oh. over there. Thank you. Mm. So welcome. It's really lovely to have you up here. I'm just going to get out my notes because we're, we're, we're going to bounce off each other a little bit here. So, I would love for you to tell the ladies before we get a, a bit more into the part of your God story that you felt to share tonight. I'd love for you just to introduce yourself a little bit. I'm sure that there are women here who perhaps... Um, hopefully in this context you might have m- met Val, but um, mm-hmm. just a little bit more about who you are. People.
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, I'm Val, Val Cole. Um, I grew up in Leeton, a small country town in the MIA. Um, I have two daughters and I was married to Max. Um, I've now been a widow for nearly 10 years. And I uh, have four grandsons. And uh, when I was 17, I wanted to become a nurse, but my mother thought a very fancy secretarial college would be very nice and make a lady out of me. So I was sent there for 12 (laughs) months, which I hated, and um, I didn't have enough initiative then to go nursing, which I could have, but anyway, that's one of the bad choices. So, yeah, that's me. Mm. Ah, Lovely. Great. Great.
0: And you, when we were getting together um, last week, you shared a scripture with me from Isaiah that has been Mm. particularly sort of on your heart recently Mm. and as you were preparing even to share with us this evening. Mm. So Mm. do you have a a copy of that to read out? Yes,
1: I do. Um, Do you want to know how I got it? Yes, I would love that. Uh, Well... Uh, it's three months and a week since I went to Batlow and there was a group of ladies there ministering to the Batlow ladies but I was a Canberra lady who happened to be there and uh, realised there were some people there that I knew. Anyway, that's all a long story. About. Uh, anyway, so I, I walked, I was really, really feeling good and I walked in, I said, Lord, what, what have you got for me this, for this day, this conference? And he, one word, enjoy. So I said, Wow. That's wonderful. So I walked in and there are these flags all lined up there and I usually, if you're in a gallery, you say, which is my favourite painting? So I thought, which is my favourite flag? Oh, yes, that one. And um, so I looked at it and read about it and the verse was, um, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the in in the wasteland, and I thought, wow, that's me. That's how I feel at the moment. I'm, I'm just seeing that living water just rushing out. So, I had a ball on the day. It was wonderful, and I had my. And then, uh, we were told we could take the flag. So I thought, oh no, I couldn't do that. Um, and no one seemed to jump up and take them. And I thought, yes, I'll have it. So I've got this beautiful flag that's. Uh, living water. It's just just beautiful. So I have fun with that yeah. at home. And so that's how I got the verse. Wow, mm. that's
0: awesome. And so you've already said a little bit about how that um, scripture is relating to you in you, this yes, season of life, so that, yes. it, that it actually really describes that sense of where you feel you're at in this season mm-hmm, and what God's doing mm-hmm, in mm. your life. Would that be accurate? Mm,
1: that would be accurate, yes. Yes, I just... Um, I think he's giving me a break from all the vacuum cleaning that's been going on over the time, and um,
0: metaphorically, metaphorically not speaking, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, that I can just sort of relax and um, just enjoy him, which is just lovely. Very nice. Yeah. After all this time, yeah. yeah.
0: So that's I, mm. I love how God does do that. It just mm. gives us some of those moments to
1: just breathe yeah, yeah. that's right ready yeah. for the next lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, just well, breathe <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. so w- what part of your god story would you like to share with us this evening
1: well i guess the um big thing was how um we came to the lord uh, it was in 1979. We, as you and Max, me and Max, and yeah. M- Max and I, and yeah. Max and me, Max and I, and um, our two girls. Yeah. So the story goes that we were living in West Pimble, and the Billy Graham Crusade was coming up, and um, the church across the way was an Anglican church, and they'd obviously de- decided to outreach the community, and so they invited Max to a prayer meeting to pray for the Billy Graham Crusade. Well I was really miffed, I, I, I was you know really upset about that because I thought it was pretty pathetic really and uh, so uh, when it came time to go to the crusade I went kicking and screaming on the Anglican bus with Max and our two girls. Uh, my main problem was whether Mary was a virgin and so I had these stand up <laughs> fights with Max about that and um so then we went on the bus, right, and while we were there, I prayed the sinner 's prayer, and Max must have two, and two of my girlfriends, and so did our daughters, who had gone off with the community kids somewhere, and one daughter got a Bible, and the other one was getting phone calls, so we all all something happened in our lives, even though we didn 't take the walk forward and um then two weeks, about two weeks later, we had this, as you did in the 70s, late 70s, 80s, these fancy dinners with the candles and, and what have you, and um, I made the announcement that I was going to study the Bible. And I thought, where'd that come from? <laughs> and everybody dropped their knife and fork and said, what? Don't be ridiculous, all this God stuff's gone to your head. And so I said, oh, okay, okay. Bear in mind, we didn't know anything really. We we knew nothing about getting saved, sinners' prayers, and all that jazz. And so, um, uh, then someone from the Anglican Church came over and said, "Would you like to um, do a, a Bible study?" And we thought, "Oh, well, you just read the Bible and you're done, and that'll be great." So um, I said, Oh, yes. And they said, It's Bible Study Fellowship and it's at Hornsby. And um, yeah, well, I'll take you. So they were doing Matthew. And it took a whole year to do Matthew. And here's me, a new Christian. No one discipled me. Dropped in the deep end studying Matthew. And uh, Max joined a men's group. And so, yeah, that was amazing.
0: Wow. Mm. Mm. And you you said that really there was quite a transformation in your family at that point that that had people starting to ask
1: what's gone on in your life. Yes, mainly I think they noticed a change in me that um, I wasn't very nice before that. Um, Well, before I was a Christian, I I was not very nice, you know. Um, And my close friends saw a big change and this one girl would invite me around to tell her about Jesus but I really didn't know much about Jesus at all but I kept going around and telling her what I knew and she came to the Lord. Our neighbours came to the Lord. There was a, chi- a Korean family next door and all their kids were saved. We had a home fellowship of 30 people with kids and, and not run by us, of course. We knew nothing but by some people, elders that came in from the church. And... Um, Yeah, so that was quite a momentous time. Mm. I just love that. Jesus does not require us to be experts, does he? (laughs) No, and, you know, I thought, wow, I've come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is abundant life. We're having it. And little did I know, you know, yeah, anyway, so that's what I thought at the time. Yeah, I remember that. Mm. Yeah, that's great.
0: And so you then you were sharing with me that there was this point where walking with the Lord more, you're growing in your faith and um, there was a point at which you and Max attended a marriage course, is that?
1: Yes, that's, oh yes, that was a momentous time, probably for our marriage. Um, my son, son-in-law and daughter had been involved with a ministry called uh, Married for Life in the 80s Anyway, so this was in the 90s. Max and I had moved back to the country. His father had cancer and we were helping in the family business. And um, so we decided to go to Echuca to this marriage weekend. And I saw this wonderful black um, sweater with Married for Life written across it. And I thought, oh, my Max would look wonderful in that. So I wanted him to buy that. But he resisted and and was really quite strange. And so... We did the course and we got in the car and then out of my my mouth came tell me about the women. Mind you, Max was saved at 37. I was 37, he was 42. So we were non-Christians for a long time. And in God's grace, none of this was revealed to me, even though I knew something wasn't right in our marriage. Um, And so when I said, tell me about the women in the car after the uh, conference on the way back to the motel, Max said, oh, I never really wanted to hurt you. I didn't want you to um, ever be hurt by this, but they were... And I went, oh, really? Oh, right. And then I thought, right, when we get back to there, we'll pray and we'll do what we learned at this marriage conference um, and then we'll be right. So we got back and we prayed around, it was a round table and we put all our stuff we'd learned at this marriage conference out there and prayed the prayers to break anything ungodly and look honestly we didn't even know what we were doing, let's face it, but what we did was enough to carry us through and God knew our hearts and so um, when we got home I, I knew that Max thought I was going to kick him out but... I'd read in Proverbs where it said, a foolish woman tears down her household. And I thought, I'm not a foolish woman. That would be silly. I have to forgive him. So I thought, what do I do? Oh, well, I remembered reading about Jacob and getting his hip out of joint wrestling with God. And I thought, this is something I really have to wrestle with God about. So I thought, I'll go on the floor like Jacob and wrestle with God. So I... I, fell on the floor carefully so I didn't hurt myself, of course. And then then, I don't know how long I stayed there, but then I was going to get up when I'd forgiven Max. So some transaction must have happened. Now, I knew about the blood of Christ and I knew about um, how our sins are forgiven in my head. So I did all that in my head. But underneath, there was still stuff going on. And um, so... That was quite an amazing time and I remember looking out the window and seeing Max, bless his heart, walking there and he was walking differently once he'd confessed to me and we were working it out and his walk, he was sort of walking really differently and I know now that some of that shame must have, I didn't know what it was at the time, I just thought he was walking better, more like a man and... um, yeah, so that was that was wonderful for me to see that. I knew it was. I didn't understand it all, but I knew that that was happening. Mm. So
0: and you you also said that Max were, really was quite transparent with your girls and yes. their families. Yes, yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah.
1: Well, I I knew about skeletons in the cupboards, and since I was in the kingdom of light, I thought light has to come onto everything, including adultery. You know, that's fair enough. And so I said to Max, look, I want you to tell the girls because even though they were little tots and you were away from home all the time, I think they deserve an apology because I don't want any skeletons. And um, Max said, okay, I'll tell them. So they were early 30s by this and that takes a great man to go to his 30-year-old daughters and say, I want you to forgive me for what I've done. Anyway, so they just—I don't know when it happened—but the girls slipped me a word saying, "Dad told us, Mum, thanks for sticking with him, you know." Da da da. Mm. So that was very special. Mm. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and his grandsons also knew about mm. it as well.
1: That's right. Because Max had the idea that if we confessed to the if he confessed to the grand, it would give the boys licence to do the same. And I said, "No, no, you weren't a Christian." Those my sons-in-law are Christians, and they, my daughters would kick them out. I think. Oh no, they wouldn't. They'd forgive them. But you know, um, they have grounds. Whereas, I was just—I'm just as big a sinner, and and we didn't know any difference. Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm. yeah.
0: And so then, another part of your journey with Max was um, once he was
1: diagnosed with prostate cancer. Mm, that's right. yes. Yeah. So then, uh, a few years after that, Max. Got cancer, and then uh, 10 years later he died. He um, was really amazing in that too. He um, um, called the boys and prayed with each grandson and um, said to turn up the stuff because it was in the spine that was very painful. So he um, then was unconscious for three weeks, and I just watched him going grey. So that was pretty hard. Yeah. And he died. Mm-mm.
0: And that was ten years ago?
1: Ten years ago, next November. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah.
0: And you did a few courageous things, like moving house four months after oh, he died. That was
1: so stupid, really. <laughs> um, I thought I was handling the grief, and I'd read about grief and, you know, the stages. So I was ticking off the stages. Yeah, I've done that. Yep, I've done that. Yep. And I hadn't done any of it. So <laughs> I, moved, I moved out of the house at... Uh, Four months after Max had died, sold the house, moved. And I put myself in a little retirement village at 65. And um, uh, usually there were a lot of 90-year-olds. Everyone was much older, but it seemed to be what I needed. Even though it wasn't a good choice, looking back, I should have been... um, I don't know what it should have been. Anyway, it wasn't. But um, so uh, there I was for three years...
0: And then how did you get to Canberra? Because this was in the Blue Mountains, yes? That's right. That was, Well,
1: I was sitting in my chair. It was just nearly three years I'd been there. (coughs) Excuse me. Three years. And this booming voice said, you're moving to Canberra. (laughs) And I was never coming to Canberra, just like I couldn't get over Mary being a virgin. You know how your mind changes like that? It wasn't even an issue when... And then... I said, Yes, Lord, I'll move to Canberra. So I went and rang my daughters, and they said, Great, Mum, come. And I said, OK. They said, But live near one of us. And so I said, Well, one was at Murrum Bateman, that wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. So I looked at Reed, look up All Homes Canberra and see where you can go. So I looked up All Homes Canberra, and here was this place. And the Lord said, That's it. And I said, Great. Thank you. And so I rang the real estate agent and she says, I said, could I come down in five days? And I came down and bought it. And that's where I am today. So it just happened very easily. So that was a miracle.
0: It is something that I reflected with Val when we were talking last week that um, the Lord speaks to us all very differently. And there have been a number of points in her life where the Lord speaks quite directly to her and her capacity just because of the way that she's wired and that sense of obedience, just Uh amazing. Mm. Yep, okay, Lord, right, I'll do that. (laughs) So other than coming and being closer to your daughters and your um, son-in-laws and your grandsons, what would you on reflection say has been God's purpose for you moving to Canberra?
1: Well, I didn't know at the time, but looking back now, I see that God wanted to finish the work that he'd started in my life and I had no other way than to move to Canberra and begin a healing path that was um, three years monthly where I went to this place at um, Gilbulla. And um, had uh, some teaching and each time healing a prayer. And so um, all the things that I thought I'd dealt with every stage of all this grief, wrong, none of that. So all that over this period of time was dealt with. And um, my forgiveness, lower levels with Max and... Um, other stuff that had happened because when I became a widow i didn 't know who i was mm. i, I didn 't know whether i who I was really, and i don 't really think I knew who I was before. I thought my role was my identity, but that was wrong um, and so when i didn 't have a husband anymore, you feel like as though you 're half there, and i just um, i didn 't know where I was and what I was mm. doing so I was falling mm. apart a bit mm. yeah.
0: It's amazing isn't it when you reflect on mm. I mean again just that sense of building history with God mm. and just that process of um, like he just does know what we need mm. and what's best for us and the timing if we're prepared to say God's yes grace. to him oh, yes. I mean his grace is just amazing isn't
1: it It surely is and um Yeah, at LL I remember I was dealing with being significant because I'd looked at the photos of our family, photos, and there was just nothing of me. And I'd been going through this, I'm insignificant, purely insulting the Lord that Christ would die for me. And yet here I am thinking that I'm insignificant. Absolutely hopeless, really. But anyway, so then um, I said, you know, I'm just insignificant. That was one of my new things I had to work through. And um, so how that came to be healed was quite amazing, really. Uh, there was a pastor and his wife that were taking care of the group that I was in for the healing group. And um, we'd given them some chocolates. And so she came around at lunchtime with this big box of chocolates, the chocolates you give when you're not giving chocolates. when favourites. The favourites. Yeah, yeah, favorite. yeah, and it was a rather large one. And she said, oh, what's your favourite? I said, look, I'll just have what's on the top. Thinking to myself... I'm not significant, don't worry, whatever's there will be fine. I'm so adaptable and so adjust and da da da. Does it really matter whether I have my favorites? She said, It does. What would you like? I said, Oh look, I'll just have the one on the top. So with that she just tipped the whole lot out onto the table and here are all these chocolates. And I just burst into tears. Mm. Mm.
0: Because what's your favourite?
1: Cherry ripe. Cherry, cherry ripe.
0: ripe.
1: And it's, it's such an insignificant little thing, but it just just had such an effect on me that I could have the chocolate I wanted. You know, it was amazing. And so um, when I came back and told my family the testimony about cherry ripe, even my grandsons, they say, no, 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 no. They call me no, no. They say, cherry ripe, cherry ripe, your choice. Mm. And so my ability to make choices really was extended to the point which has been amazing just over a cherry ripe and someone carried one around in their bag it was all crushed up and they said I've been wanting to give you this I now have that too (laughs) (laughs) so I had the the cherry ripe that was all squashed. but it was just so significant that God would use a cherry ripe to show me that I can have a choice Mm. and be mature in that area Mm. Mm. that was amazing
0: Mm. And then I just thought we'd finish with you. In preparing for um, tonight, you actually found a copy of the letter that Max wrote before um, he died that was read at his yes, funeral. Yes. And you were reflecting to me that at the time, because you were a bit locked still in that sense of insignificance, you didn't hear some of the things that as you reread it this week actually some of the lovely mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. he reflected on I- about your marriage. And um, mm-hmm. you yeah. said that you were
1: willing to read a few bits oh, Yes, of yes. So Thank you, yeah. Oh, yeah, I found this. Uh, I was actually dusting because she was coming for lunch. And I, was and I found this. Running you know? my fingers around <laughs> to just make sure that and she and does and it. And <laughs> this was amongst the DVDs. And I thought, oh, Max Cole, words of Max Cole for the funeral. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. But when I started to read it, I was just absolutely blubbering because um, he talks about, and I love it because he's talking in the first tense where he's still alive, he's not dead. And he said, "Um, um, let me tell you how blessed I've been in my life. Firstly, how grateful I am for Val's love and caring for the past 43 years. What a privilege it's been to share marriage with her. These have been the best years. And that really just blew me away. I thought, that's nice. Making it so difficult to express my gratitude to her for being such an extraordinary wife and mate. She is my best friend. And then both Val and I are so blessed to have been entrusted with raising our beautiful daughters A and B, whose great contribution to smooth family life was their capacity to love and forgive their parents in spite of the mistakes they made in their upbringing. I didn't have any sons, but that has been more more than compensated by A and B's marrying my super sons-in-law. And he mentions their name. I can't thank them enough for the way... They fill their roles as loving husbands for my daughters. Then he says to the grandsons, and you know what? I'd never seen that before. I'd never noticed that he liked me that much. So that was so nice. So that was very healing. Mm.
0: You reflected to me, you said that when you first came to the Lord... You would declare i 'm living the abundant life, mm. and you said to me catherine i don 't know how I could say that because I was still so broken and mm. and yet um, I really feel that you 've reflected indeed living the abundant life and mm. that god 's faithfulness to you and your faithfulness to him mm. to build history with him and allow him to be at work in your life there's just Mm -hmm. a really beautiful testimony to your history with god Mm -hmm. and thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. that with us this evening
1: Thank thank you thank you would you
0: thank val
2: everyone
0: Carolyn said to me I I know what I'm talking about because I'm talking about me so which is very true there's not anybody here who knows more about her topic than she does so was that was that was the piece of um, advice you were given about public speaking wasn't it that's right
2: can everyone hear me if I hold this here yeah Yeah. sounds a bit odd doesn't it (laughs)
0: It does. It takes a little bit to get used to, doesn't it? So I thought that maybe before we get into the things that God's really put on your heart Mm -hmm. for this evening that you might just give us a little bit of background. Again, I feel like a lot of us have been in fellowship with you for quite a while, but, you know, just gives people a bit of a sense of who you are and, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. My name's Carolyn. I'm married to Tony. Um, We've been married... We got married on the 12th of the 12th, 1981, at 12. On the 12th of the 12th at 12. And funnily enough, Carolyn Allen's got 12 letters and Anthony Allen's got 12 letters and we bought a house number 12 that we owned for 12 years. (laughs) 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 Um, We have three children, um, twin girls who...
0: (laughs) Not 12 children. Not (laughs) 12 (laughs) children, no.
2: No, no, no. Um, But we've got two girls and one boy and one and two make 12... (laughs) <laughs> um, so we've got twin girls who'll be 30 this year and we've got a son who'll be 28 this year and I'm look- we're looking after the grand dog. We don't have any grandchildren but we're looking after Rosie's dog, the grand dog. Um, and I work... I'm still working. I, I work as a pharmacist.
0: Excellent. Is there anything else I should say? No, I think no. That, that sounds okay. pretty good. Yeah. Okay. You do like to camp and be outdoors.
2: Oh, we do like to camp and be outdoors. Yeah. Oh, and we've just bought sea kayaks as an as adventurous thing to do, yep. Yeah. And we've just been down to Jervis Bay this last weekend to um, try out our sea kayaks. It's the third time out, so we're just beginners. And we probably went out when it was a bit rough. The wind whipped up and there was white caps and a 25-knot um, wind, headwind coming back. And we, I didn't cry, but I was a bit nervous. <laughs> but we made it back all right. <laughs>
0: was more of an adventure than you anticipated. It was, yes, that's right. So what did uh, God prompt you to share with us this um,
2: evening? So when Catherine asked me if I would be willing to speak tonight, I th- thought yes, but what on earth out of all the things that um, have happened to me with God would I talk about? Um, and I thought about it for a while and prayed about it for a while. And then, um, actually, while I was walking off to do the dishes when we were camping last weekend, this thought came into my mind tell them about how I've carried you. And with that came a memory of a vision that I had in about 2001. Um, and it came when I, I was at an, Tony and I together, we were at an alpha conference um, in the evening. And at that conference, I became completely, completely overwhelmed and undone by how much God loved me. And I think I probably sobbed for lots of hours with Tony going, what on earth is wrong with you? Um, but with the sobbing, uh, I, can only, I can only describe it as just completely overwhelmed by how much God loved me. And with the sobbing um, and the, the overwhelming feeling came a vision And the vision was of a man. I could see a man's back. It was a big, tall man with broad shoulders. He had a brown um, like leather jacket on and trousers. And I was looking at his back. And he was carrying a little girl. And I knew the little girl was me. And I knew that the man was uh, God, my father. It was my father, God. And as he was walking along with me, um, sometimes he was piggybacking me. Sometimes he was carrying me on the top of his shoulders, you know, like you do with like that. And sometimes he was carrying me like, like that in the front, cradling me with, with both his hands. And I knew that what he was, tell, was showing me was that he was carrying me in different ways of different seasons of my life. So each of those different postures where he was carrying me was in different seasons of my life. What else did I want to tell you about that? I think that's all, Um, yeah. Yes, Um, and as I was thinking about that when I was doing the dishes, when I was camping last weekend, um, it actually occurred to me that, um, and it was a good reminder that he's actually still carrying me, that, um, that that carrying wasn't just for the past, it was for now and it was forever as well, which was a real encouragement to me, actually. Mm. Um, and as I thought about it more, I thought that um, he carries me when I'm not aware of it, and he was actually, actually even carrying me before I even knew him or before I even knew he existed, or, or before I even knew he was real, mm. yeah. Mm. yeah that's
0: good. And so, as you've reflected on that, um, and just that, what well, he said t- for you to share with us, tell them how you've how I've carried you so what parts of your god story then have come to mind as you've reflected on that and and that picture of the father and the different ways that he has and is carrying you yep
2: so what I thought I'd do is give you um a very quick um story of my life so far, <laughs> some of the things that have happened, but just bringing out that when I feel like God's really um, been carrying me in different ways. Um, and so just to give you a bit of a background, as a child, I went to Sunday school and occasionally went to church, but my family wasn't really Christian. Um, but for as long as I can remember, I, I felt like I needed to, knew, needed to sort out what I believed about God and certainly as a young adult. I knew I had to sort out what I believed about God, and when Tony and I married, we talked about that that we need to sort out what we believed about god um, we We when we were married went tried out a few churches, but we couldn 't find God in, in any of the churches and so there was just this thing that we had to that we had to sort out one day, um, but I do remember um, that Going to a church always gave me a sense of peace. Um, I look back now and think, oh, yes, I understand that. But at the time, I didn't really understand what that was about. Mm. Um, So we got married in 1981. In 1986, we moved from our hometown of Adelaide to Launceston in Tasmania for an opportunity for Tony with his work. Um, And I I had trouble leaving mum, and I was really homesick while we were there. And by 1987, I was really, really struggling. I was really homesick um, and my life felt really empty and I felt like I had no sense of purpose at all. Um, and I was going down, downhill. And then one Sunday, um, I remember I felt particularly down. We were actually driving from Hobart to Launceston. Tony was driving and I was just lost in my mind and in my feeling really down. Um, and like suddenly from the depths of my heart came this cry help me Jesus except that I didn't do that wasn't like I didn't do it it just sort of happened Um, it wasn't this conscious it wasn't conscious and it was a cry it just really took me by surprise Um, and what took me even more by surprise was suddenly something changed and I started to feel a bit better Um, and I felt different and I felt lighter and that is really the start of my real journey with with God I guess' and with jesus um, a few, so that was on a Sunday by about the Wednesday. we had a door knocker from the Anglican Church come so good, old, like the anglican Thow, really. church. The good old anglican church <laughs> i didn 't think i didn 't know that the Anglican Church did door knocking but <laughs> um, so they door knocked um, and invited us to their church, and so we went to their church. And that church and the preaching at that church was my first experience of preaching directly from the Bible, and I had never heard anything like it before. And and for Tony and I, it both really struck us that the authority of that preaching was just amazing. Um, And we started, we um, went to a Bethel Bible study course there as well. Um, And when we we had. a month after i'd had that cry to jesus i also got pregnant with twins and and i'd been trying to get pregnant for 12 months and so um i think that was really a god thing as well um and and that church family ended up by supporting us when we had had twin babies so i i really saw that as god really being there helping us when we needed help um by the time we came to leave Tasmania in 1990, Tony and I did start to think, you know, we think that the Bible might actually be true. And that's, that's where we were there. We still weren't convinced that God was real. We didn't know him, but we were starting to think, mm, maybe God's real. Um, and I didn't really understand what this cry, Help me, Jesus. I, I, I didn't really understand what that was all about. Um, By the time that Doni's job finished in Tasmania in uh, 1990, um, there was no work in Adelaide, and so we had to move to Melbourne. Um, Yeah, there's a whole story in there, but I don't think I'll go into that now. Um, So when we moved to Melbourne, we thought we would go to a church, and we tried a few churches. Um, We went to the local Anglican church a few times, but it felt really empty and we didn't really feel like we could find God um, and we didn't persevere with going to church for very long. Um, But one Sunday, one of those few first Sundays that we went to that church, um, the church newsletter had printed in just a little section. It was a little box up the top and it was Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6. Um, and it was the Good News Bible Translation. And as I looked through the newsletter, because I always read the church newsletter um, and to tell to Tony it. what he has to do, because he never reads the church newsletter. Um, um, and as I looked at this church newsletter, it was like those verses just jumped off the page at me. And I'd never read them in the Bible. I didn't, I'd never read the Bible, really, so I didn't know them. Um, but those verses just jumped off the page at me, and so I cut them out and I stuck them on my, on my fridge in my kitchen in Melbourne. Um, and it was the Good News Bible translation that goes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Um, and that particular translation just really, really suited me in the way I think, really, that never rely on what you think you know. Um, those verses actually ended up by being a lifeline for me that I clung to for the next 10 years through lots of tough stuff. Um, I still wasn't sure that God was real, but I desperately hoped He was because I was depending on Him to get me through some really tough times in the next 10 years. Um, for the next two and a half years in Melbourne, um, it was a very tough time for me. Um, I had another baby, so I had Andrew, um, a week after the girls were two, so in effect we had three children under two. My dad was diagnosed with a brain tumour and died nine months um, later. And Tony's work was um, really tough and uh, the building industry had collapsed really around that time and so his job was really insecure and so we were expecting that he would lose his job every month, we were expecting that. Um, so I, And we didn't know anyone in Melbourne. Um, so I, was, I really struggled there. Um, and every single day I read those verses from Proverbs that were stuck on my fridge. And I used to read them out loud. I used to read them lots of times a day. Um, and I started praying every day, even though that I, I wasn't sure God was real, but I was really hoping that he was. But I was saying those verses every day. And those verses really gave me strength to go through all the stuff that um, I was going through. Um, and actually they were also building my faith even though I didn't realise it, but that is what they were doing. Um, so in effect, um, those verses from Proverbs were carrying me. If I'm going back to the theme of being carried, those verses from Proverbs were carrying me. I was just hanging on to them. Um, in 1992, Tony's, Tony lost his job in Melbourne. He didn't have any more work, um, and he was offered work in Canberra. Um, I desperately wanted to go home to Adelaide and go home to family support and my mum had just been widowed and I had three young children. Um, I desperately wanted to go back to Adelaide Um, but the economy in South Australia was depressed and we had to um, decide what we were going to do and this God that I wasn't sure was real or not but I was sort of praying to him but I was saying those verses every day I really had this sense that we were supposed to come to Canberra and so did Tony but it hurt, it really hurt. I felt like God didn't like me because I wanted to go to Adelaide and it hurt but we felt to go to Canberra and so we, we came to Canberra. Um, and I still didn't really understand but I was kind of trying to follow God's leading because I thought my I'm struggling my life anyway so I really needed him if that makes sense anyway. Um, So we arrived in Canberra in July 1992 in the middle of the winter, a really bad time to arrive in Canberra. (laughs) It was horrible. It was freezing. There was no children in any of the playgrounds. It was too cold to go to the playground. We were stuck in this house that was dark with no heating, and it was just horrible. Anyway, um, so... we, th- oh, just and just another little aside when we were in Melbourne, when we'd been looking around for churches, I'd, I'd one day gone to a Baptist church which was just down the road and I thought, oh, this is really good. I went home and explained it to Tony he said, I'm not going to a happy, clappy church. There is no way. <laughs> <laughs> so when we arrived in Canberra in 1992, we um, looked around for some churches thought, thinking of that we needed to go to a, a church um, and again, we looked around and went to Hughes Baptist Church and Tony said, I'm not going to a happy clappy church, which I really laugh about now. <laughs> um, anyway, so we went to uh, an Anglican, an local Anglican church. Um, we went for, for a while, but again, we couldn't persevere for very long. Um, And some of the reasons that we couldn't persevere was just life just got too tough. Over that next six years from 1992 um, to 1998 really, Tony was working uh, full time and he also decided he needed to to study for a postgraduate degree to give him more security in his work. So he was working and studying. So I was in effect being a single mum. Um, We had three young children we were renovating a house. Um, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and then she subsequently died. Um, and our relationship, Tony's, my relationship, was deteriorating fast. We were both under lots and lots of stress. Um, and um, through that time, Tony decided he didn't believe in God anymore, and stopped going to church, wasn't interested. I decided that it was too hard to get to church um, and anyway, I couldn't find God there anyway. Um, so we stopped going to church. But I was still reading my verses every single day. That was on my, I'm stuck on my fridge. And it's still stuck on my fridge, actually. Um, so I was still being carried by God, by those verses. Um, and I was praying desperately, really. Desperately hanging on to God for all I was worth. Um, and hoping against hope that he was there and that he was listening to me. Um, Then for about, my mum died in February 1998 and then for about the next 18 months suddenly things with God and me got a lot more intense. Um, I felt this growing sense that God wanted something from me but I had no idea how to respond to that. I felt like I had this growing, for want of a better word, heart that sort of felt like it was growing out here. I didn't really understand that. And I felt like he wanted me to do something. Um, and I spent lots of mornings actually crying, going, what do you want from me? But I didn't know what to do. Um, and then, I f- so I was in that sort of space. That was, that was happening to me. There was lots of other stuff happening, but this is my God stuff that was happening. Um, and then a friend dropped in an invitation to us um, for the Alpha Course at the Anglican Church that we used to go to. Um, and so I said to Tony, "He should do the course. I'd done enough God stuff, and he should do the course." <laughs> and, and to my surprise, he said, "Oh, okay, I will." And so he did. Um, and he had he had an encounter with God, um, and and so he came to me, and we started to talk a lot about what was happening between us, uh, and. Um, Tony felt like he really couldn't go any further with God till he'd sorted out our relationship. Um, and anyway, the, the priest, who was the priest of that church running the course, thought she needed to come and see me. Um, so she came and see me and invited me to the first evening prayer and praise service that they had at that church. Um, and after the prayer and praise service, I had this overwhelming feeling that I didn't want to leave. Um, and Trish came up to me and said, so what did you think of that? And I said, I don't want to leave, and I feel like I'm supposed to help. And she said, what do you mean by that? And I said, I don't know what I mean by that. Um, So she said, come with me. So she took me up to the front of the church and knelt me down and led me in a prayer, giving myself to God. Looking back now, I think all that, what did you want from me? He didn't want me to do anything. He didn't want me to do something. He just wanted me. (laughs) So that was a bit of a lesson for me. Anyway, um, I failed to tell you about the experience that I had when that happened. So um, as I prayed that prayer, giving myself to God, um, I had an encounter with God that proved to me beyond a doubt that God was real and that the Bible was true. Um, I was enveloped Uh, in this sort of cone of light came down over me and I was enveloped in this, um, like a pulsating, swirling torrent of raw power is how it felt. And it felt ancient and it felt primal, really ancient and really primal. And I remember thinking, this isn't that soppy love that Christians talk about. This is power and um, I also remember thinking this is the heartbeat of the universe and this is the creator and I am the creature and like I knew it that I just was there and I knew it Um, and I also felt as if there was a hand right inside me stroking my heart Um, I don't know how long that went on for it felt like it went on for a long while And and then I collapsed And I was, I remember I was just burning up with heat and I felt free. I felt free. And I felt like I'd felt when I was a child, like I felt like this light, free child is how I felt. Um, Afterwards, and for all that rest of the night, I was like on adrenaline high. I don't know, for those of you who have had children, do you remember that night you're on an adrenaline high with just a Oh, every, that's how i felt
0: post-birth um, you mean post-birth yes. yeah yeah post-birth
2: after the birth there are all <laughs> sorts of other yeah. adrenaline highs you Sorry. have with your children but
0: yeah.
2: and we've gone everywhere in my mind just everywhere and i was full of this joy it was like i'd never felt anything like it before it was like i was bursting with this joy that wasn't mine that had been put into me and i like i couldn't contain it um and it was like this huge relief. I oh, thank goodness God's real because I'd made all these decisions trying to trying to follow Him. And if I hadn't, if He wasn't real, then I'd made all these decisions that had made life difficult for me and for my mum and for my kids and for. But thank goodness He was real. It was a huge relief. Um, that was the start of four years of being carried on a again this the theme of carried of being carried on a wave of joy bursting out of me. And just incredible supernatural experiences. Just amazing. It was just amazing. And I hadn't known anything about it before. Tony and I hadn't known anything about the Holy Spirit. So when all this happens, we're like, what is this? Um, and so it was like this huge learning experience, trying to trying trying to read the Bible and trying to get to catch up with what on earth had happened to us. Um, and it was during this four years that I had that experience that I told you about at the beginning where I had that experience that God um, loved me and I had this vision of being carried. Um, Anyway, the Anglican Church actually turned out to be having a time of renewal that um, almost started around that time and we got very, very busy working for God, very busy. Um, After about four years, things started to unravel a bit on all sorts of fronts at the church um, and I and, and also I got burnt out, so did Tony, we got totally exhausted and burnt out. Um, God carried us out of that situation and brought us to vision. Um, we had never heard of vision, we didn't know anything about it and the way we got here was that we decided we needed to leave the Anglican Church and we thought where on earth are we going to go, what other church is going to understand all this stuff we've been through and all these experiences that we've had. Um, and then Tony had just felt a prompt to turn on the radio when he was driving in the car and he saw, heard an advertisement for 20 minutes with God. And so we, um, he looked up the website and thought that it sounded like an all right church, he thought. So he made an appointment for me and we thought we would come and just risk it and see
0: was less concerned with the happy clappy by that point well um he didn't we didn't know this was a happy clappy at that point
2: (laughs) yeah oh no actually we we'd become happy clappy at the anglican church uh, the anglican church had become very happy clappy by that point so we we'd gone way past happy clappy by that point yeah 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 um anyway so we came here that night um particularly for prayer for me because i was really unwell Um, and Peter Thompson happened to be here that night, and he said, I never do this roster, but someone peeled out this afternoon, and I just felt to fill in, and we thought, thank you, God. So that God had carried us to someone who understood exactly what had happened to us. Um, So I arrived at Vision uh, wounded and burnt out and asking, well, now where are you, God? Um, and since then, God has been carrying me on a journey here of healing and restoration and learning. has been carrying us both on that journey here. Um, it, the other thing about our being a real relief a lot arriving at Vision was finally the theology of the church matched our experiences. And that was a huge relief because that had been a real confusion at the Anglican church. The stuff that had been happening to us didn't match with a lot of their theology. Um, and here it did. So it was like, oh, thank goodness. Um, so, for much of that journey still though, so we've been here at Vision now since 2004 and for much of that journey has been up and down for me, not because of Vision but because of me um, and I've still been asking a lot of the time, God, where are you? Um, and what is this all about? And why did all that happen? And what was the point of all of that anyway? Um, But last week when I um, was remembering the vision when I got that prompt when I was doing the dishes when we were camping, um, it occurred to me that the vision wasn't just about the past. It was about um, all seasons of my life. Um, That it's always carrying me one way or another, um, even when I can't seem to find him or even when he doesn't feel close. Um, And he also reminded me that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So I just... I'm taking that as an encouragement that even though i still got no idea what I'm doing, he is still carrying me. Hmm. So that's my story so far.
0: Yeah, so good. I mean, again, just such an amazing reflection of building history with God and and the ups and downs of life and the dance, not the linear process, but just the, the dance that we're all on with him. But um, thank you for sharing with us this evening. Thank you.
2: Um, I might say to vow too, we did um, a marriage encounter course with the Anglican Church, probably a lot like you did, and uh, and we we did lots of serious letters to each other about all sorts of stuff as well, and it was really helpful. Yeah.
0: I'm going to close in prayer and then um, we'll have some time of fellowship. But um, there's something very um, special about people letting us into parts of their story and just sharing um, how God is at work. And again, remembering that the way he works in each of us is different. And I just think tonight, even listening to both Val and Carol and Cher, there are you know there's that theme of building history with god and and yet their lives have looked quite different but god does really just know what we need and um i love that picture of the different ways that he carries us in different seasons of our life so father as uh, we finish this evening we thank you that each one of us is in the midst of a story with you I thank you, God, that there is not any part of our life that is hidden from you. That, God, even when we are not aware, you never slumber nor sleep. You are always at work in our lives and you are faithful. Lord, both Val and Carolyn's testimonies to us today. Just reveal your faithfulness. And as Carolyn said, you are the same yesterday, today and forever. God, we so desire to build history with you, um, Lord, to know your faithfulness in every season of our life. And I thank you, God, that even in the parts of our story that have seemed difficult or sometimes even impossible to walk through, that you are always there, that you never leave us nor forsake us, your word says. And, uh. Lord, we take great comfort in that. We take comfort in just that picture of our Father carrying us as we need to be carried. And Lord, I just thank you that even in a box of chocolates, you would choose to reveal truth to us. Lord, I pray that this week we would have our eyes open to how you are speaking to us, Lord, um, that we would just not miss even those little moments that may feel ordinary to just see how you're at work in our lives. And, God, we just want to be women who will boldly declare through the testimony of our lives that our God is faithful. So we thank you, Lord. I pray that you would bless our fellowship time now. Continue to knit us together in community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.